Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. We are studying the second, Paul's second missionary journey. And you remember that uh, when we started out in chapter 16, we were able to see how the Holy Spirit led Paul, and the Holy Spirit did not permit him to go where he wanted to go, but the Holy Spirit had a purpose. And there's a divine plan that God had for Paul. And you see how God was leading him and taking him into, into break new ground in a total virgin area. He was moving him on into Europe. You remember in chapter 16 and in verse uh, 7 of chapter 16, how it says, After they were come to Mysiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Then it says, And also they came down to Troas. And then in verse 9 it says, And the vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Then it says in verse 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. We mentioned how that as we follow the divine will of God, we will be able to experience the results that only God is able to give. We have to understand that God is the promoter of his own work. God raises up who he wants to raise. And God is the one that wants to lead us and guide us. And as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we're able to experience success. And Paul was sensitive to that, and he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then it said he came, uh, he went to Philippi, and verse 12 was the chief city of the part of, part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were in the city abiding certain days. Now, when he went to Philippi, there were three experiences that Paul had with three different people. And we're able to see three people that were totally liberated and set free by the power of God. Now, we studied two of those people, and we're going to be studying the last one this morning. The first one that we dealt with and we studied was Lydia, a woman. Women, be encouraged. The first convert in Europe that God gave to Paul was a woman. A woman by the name of Lydia, a woman that was hungry for God, and she got turned on. And she became the first convert. That glorious says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She became the first convert in Europe. And then after that, we were able to see that the second person that Paul began to deal with was a demon-possessed woman. Now, everywhere you find Paul going, you find the early church, the early church in action, there's always the opposition of the enemy. The enemy always opposes the work of God. This is why 
If you're going through some trials this morning, I have news for you. Are you suffering this morning and going through some heavy, heavy trials? Well, I say to you this morning, think it not strange to go through the trials and the testing and whatever you're facing, whatever circumstances, whatever you are going through this morning, think it not strange. The enemy is going to oppose, and he will oppose and continue to oppose everything that has to do with God. And you see this over and over again within the Word of God in the book of Acts. They're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and the enemy opposing them each step of the way. But what I want you to see and what I want you to get this morning is the attitude that these men had. I think we're able to learn something from the attitude of how they were able to confront trials and tribulation and testing and also suffering. The attitude that they had is the attitude that we also need to have this morning. So if you're going through some trials, then you listen to this. God has a message for you this morning. You listen very carefully. Now, notice what happened in, in verse 16 of chapter 16. And we have to tie it in together with the demon-possessed woman, even though we studied the account of the demon-possessed woman. But the person that we're dealing with and his conversion has to do with what took place here in, in verse 16 of chapter 16. It says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer. You remember that they would always, they, had, they, they were very diligent in, in going to prayer. And then a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought, brought, brought her master much gain by soothsaying. It was a woman that was actually a fortune teller. Now this is why we mentioned it before about be careful you don't go to about going to spiritists, espiritistas, uh, fortune tellers. And they open up the cards and all that is from the pits of hell. And this woman was demon possessed and they were using her as a fortune teller and people were making money off of her because they were charged for her services and they were making much gain from this spirit or the demon spirit that was inside of this woman. And it goes to show you how the enemy has different tactics. He comes against us. If he can't come from without, he will try to infiltrate himself within the work of God. So you always got to be careful. The enemy has different ways of coming against us. He tries to come with persecution from without. But then there is a real a subtle way that the enemy comes against us. Many, tries, many times he tries to infiltrate and become like one of us. And this is where we have to have the spirit of discernment to be able to discern what is of God and what is not of God. And this is exactly the very tactic that the enemy was using here with this demon-possessed woman. Notice the reaction of this demon-possessed woman when Paul was preaching and when Paul was ministering. It says over here in verse 16, And it came to pass that we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain. Then it says in verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And then it says in verse 18, 
And this did she many days. So Paul put up with it for many days. He was putting up with this woman coming behind him and, and confirming his ministry. And not only confirming his ministry, but also identifying herself as one of them, as a Christian. And then it says over here, and this she did many days, but Paul being grieved. You see, there's something about, in your spirit, when something is not right, you're going to feel it inside of you. You're going to feel it inside of you that even though they may be talking that talk, and even though what they may be saying may sound right, but in your spirit, the spirit that that person is saying it and where it's coming from is totally contrary to God and contrary to the things of God. And this is what Paul felt. He was grieved inside. And then it says, and he said to the spirit, he turned around, said to the spirit, he didn't say, please, but what did he say? I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He wasn't speaking to her but he was speaking to the spirit that was inside of her. And then it says, and he came out that same hour. The spirit came out, and this woman was totally free. Now, it doesn't tell us much about the woman. All it tells us is that she was set free because she lost that power. That doesn't say she joined the church. A possibility my imagination goes she could have become a member she could have became a sister and part of the of the church but it says over here it tells us the reaction of the people instead of people rejoicing about it instead of the people that were with the woman and her friends rejoicing about it it says and when her master so this woman was a slave girl when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone or you could under, or in other words you could even say her agent <laughs> or her promoter. When they realized that she didn't have that power anymore, they got a hold of Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace, unto the rulers. So actually they went ahead and took, them, took Paul and Silas to court for, in other words, practicing, uh, practicing religion without a license. <laughs> It would be something like that. In verse 20, he says, And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. You notice that the devil was a little bit worried about Paul and Silas. Everywhere they went, they caused commotion. Everywhere they went, they turned the city right side up and upside down. Everywhere they went, there was a spiritual explosion that actually took place. This is why I believe with all my heart that any church, any church, whatever location the church is in, should make an impact within that city. I'm a believer that everybody should know about Victory Outreach here in La Puente. We're in La Puente, everybody in La Puente should know about Victory Outreach. And I believe that most people do. Not only in La Puente, but everywhere we go, you talk about Victory. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Who's that guy's name? Sonny Arizoni or Sonny Macaroni or Sonny, what's his name again? about I heard about that guy I heard about what they're doing I heard about it because 
we're making, if you're making an impact within your community, if you're following the divine will of God, if you're following the purposes of God, then people are going to know you're there. We're there to make a, a stirring to take place. And you begin to stir up a city, then you begin to also stir up the demons. Just like in Europe, when, when uh, Raul went into Europe, there's a whole lot of religious people that even came against him. Because he started stirring up the city. And as soon as you begin to stir up the city, you'll find that there are people that will come up against you. And the enemy will, the first, will use tactics to come against you, to discourage you. So this is what they did with Paul and Silas. And they got a hold of them. And then they took them, it says over here, took them before the magistrates in verse 20, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city, in verse 21, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, and either to observe being Romans. Now I'll tell you what, what, what they did. They actually had legal ground to apprehend Paul and Silas as far as what they were preaching. See, the Romans would actually give permission, they gave permission to certain uh, religious teachings. And for somebody to begin to teach anything that had to do with religion, it had to be approved by the Romans. And this was not approved by them. So they had ground to actually, they had a case, and they had, they had legal ground to apprehend them. But little did they know that these men were Romans. They, they thought they were only, they were Jews and not Roman citizens. So it says over here in verse 22, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes. Imagine, you talk about trials. They actually took them, Paul and Silas. Now, if you're thinking about where, where was Luke and Timothy, well, they weren't there. But I can't tell you where they were, but they weren't there. But it was uh, Paul and Silas that they apprehended, tore off their clothes. And then it says over here, and, 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 and they, they were commanded to beat them. Now, how many of you have been whipped and beat? You know, you've been, you've been how many of you? How many of you that are having a pity party this morning? The devil's after me. And I'm trying to make it, you know, but man, it's hard. Oh, man, I think I'm going to give up, you know. I mean, how, how bad have you been whipped? Imagine somebody coming and tearing your clothes off. Tearing your clothes off and just grabbing you because you're talking about Jesus, tearing your clothes off. And then they had these rods that they put together and then get your bare back and begin to whip you, mm, whip you, mm, whip you, and whip you, and, and whip you, and blood coming and whipping you. Huh? How many have been whipped like that? I don't see too many hands. And some of you crawled in this morning, man, just barely making it, you know, just, just barely. Wow, man, the trials and the tribulation. And my, my wife, Brother Sonny, you don't know her, and my, my husband and my, well, financial problems of the situation or whatever you may be going through this morning. Well, listen to what these guys went through. It says over here, they, they, they went ahead and beat them. And then it says in verse 23, listen, and it says, And when they had laid a few, huh? Say it louder. What does it say? A few? Many. <laughs> it brings it out. Many, many stripes upon them. 
That's why I'm saying, you know, it was a bloody mess. We'll put it that way, okay? So this is over here, many stripes upon him. They cast them into prison. Then charging the jailer to keep them safely. They told the jailer, you're responsible for these people. And after they whipped them, they told the jailer, you're responsible for them, and I want you to keep them safely until they, they appear in court again. And then what they did, it says, who having received, in verse 24, such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. What would you call that in the jail? What do they call it? Isolation, solitary, what else would you call it? Maximum security. Oh, these guys in the home, they know, they could... <laughs> Woo, boy, they got the word all right. They know. They know the terminology. That's the way I was looking. Maximum security. They put him in maximum security. And then not only put him in maximum security, but, but they also, uh, they, they fast their feet with stocks. They also took these things and they fast their feet and it was something that was terrible. They say, the commentators say that they actually spread their legs like that. And, and it, was a, it was a real painful experience. They wanted to make sure that these men were not going to escape. And then it says over here that in verse 25, and what did they do? I want you, this is what I want to, what about, what kind of attitude did they have? Now, you know what, we, what happens to us? We begin to say at that particular but where's God? Why? Why me? Why is all this happening to me? And as soon as you begin to question God, the enemy's going to come and speak. he'll help you out, and he'll begin to tell you, Jesus doesn't love you. Jesus don't care about you. And then we begin to focus our attention and we begin to focus our sights on the circumstances instead of focusing our sights on God. The Bible doesn't say that you're not going to have trials and tribulation and suffering. In fact, it tells you just the opposite. It says, in this world, ye shall what? Ye shall have, ye, not maybe, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good courage. He says, I have overcome the world, and if I have overcome the world, I will make you an overcomer. See what I'm talking about? And this is, their attitude was not a pessimistic attitude. Their attitude was not a pity party type of attitude. You know what they did? In the midst of all of that, look at the attitude that they had. It says in verse 25, and at midnight, now some of it, somebody else would have been crying at me. Ah, ah, Jesus doesn't love me no more, you know. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and not only did they pray, but they sang praises unto God. You know, they were having a Holy Ghost service, even in the situation that they were in. I mean, they could throw them into the maximum, what do you call that? Security. But even in maximum security, in the inner part of the prison, they began 
to pray to God and as they prayed to God their spirit was lifted and they began to sing praises unto God and began to have a Holy Ghost service and I'll tell you this see what keeps us down is the attitude that we have when we're facing the trials and tribulation that's why you don't get victory the reason why is because you're so caught up into it into the situation my son, my, my this, my, my that, my husband, my, my finances, my this, the other. And it's overwhelming. And then you feel that weight upon yourself. And that's all, that's, all you that's all you see. That's all you think about. And you fail to take God into account. But you see the difference that these men had. That in, in the worst, worst situation that they were in, in spite of that horrible situation, that they were in, in that inner prison, they took their eyes off the circumstances. They even took their attention off the pain that they were experiencing. They took the attention of their surroundings and began, began to focus their attention upon a living God who is faithful to the promises of God, of God uh, a God that is faithful to all of his promises, a God, a God that doesn't lie, a God that is with you in spite of the situation, a God that is closer to you than anyone else. They began to focus upon a faithful God and they began to sing praises unto him. And what does it say? And the prisoners, it, was, it wasn't a quiet meeting, but it was so loud that even the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake that took place. See, God moved on their behalf so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. Now, when I think about that, when I say, it says everyone's bands, I'm wondering if it's just Paul and Silas who's talking about everybody in the prison. And if it is talking about everybody in the prison, then I'll even give you a greater miracle. And some of you guys that have been in prison, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, what would be the reaction? That happens, doors open, hey man, I'm free. First thing is to, to split, get out of there as soon as you can. Well, over here says that this is the keeper of the prison. Now the keeper of the prison, don't think for a moment that he was concerned about, about Paul and Silas. It says he was sleeping. While Paul and Silas were there in the bonds and, and, and those horrible, horrible situations, verse 27 says, and the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. So the keeper, the, the Philippian jailer was fast asleep. He wasn't concerned about Paul and Silas. He was fast asleep. What woke him up was that earthquake that took place. And as soon as the earthquake, and then he says he, he woke up out of sleep and then seeing the prison doors open, and remember what his responsibility was again? His responsibility was to keep those prisoners, and if he didn't keep the prisoners, then he would have to give his life. He would be killed for it. It says he drew out his sword. He made a conclusion and said, they made a prison escape. They're all gone. And he took his sword. He said, I'm going to have to die for it. I'd rather kill myself than face the shame that I have to face. And then he took his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. And here's a miracle. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Would you guys have stayed? 
they would have been gone, right? That's a miracle in itself. And then Paul says, wait a minute, don't do yourself. We're all here. We're here. Don't worry about it. And what did the jailer do? And then he called for a light and sprang in and came. Look how he came. Notice what's happening now. Now, now God is in control. You see, see the situation? First the devil was putting it on Paul and, and Silas, and now God turned that persecution around, and, and God now is in control. And the, he turns the light on, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas. Now you notice here that he understood at that particular moment that what was happening was divine intervention. He knew. Even though he was fast asleep, as soon as he woke up, he knew when he felt that earthquake, this is something that has to do with God. God is behind this thing, and these men must be servants of the Most High God. That even came and fell before them, it says, came trembling, fell down before Paul. Verse 29, and Silas, and then what does he say in verse 30? And, and, and brought them out and said, Sirs! And that's the question of questions, isn't it? Say it with me. What does it say? Sir! What, what? Say it. What, what? What must I do to be saved? My God. Now that's an important question, isn't it? He understood. Even the terminology, saved. Somehow, God intervened in this man's life. I want, to, I want you to know something. We can't save anybody. All God asks of us is to be faithful. That's all. Sometimes we try to help God. You know, you get your children, and you got to get them. You got to get saved. I'm going to side your head if you don't. I've tried that. I got Sonny one time, put him in the room. Okay, it's me and you now, man. You know, and I took my coat off. We're going to get down over here, and you, you're going to walk out of this place. Save! I'm the pastor. Yeah, he went along with it. Oh, all right, all right. I'll go. And then he goes back and does the same thing again. I couldn't save him. Until one day, it was God here. I didn't have nothing to do with it. All I did was say, well, I'll just be faithful to God. I'll just trust God. I'll just believe God. In spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what I see with my physical eyes, I will focus my eyes upon a God that is faithful to his promises, a God, a God that, that does not lie, a God who is faithful. And sure enough, what happened in God's timing, Sonny got saved. You know what I'm talking about? See, it is God. All you have to do, whatever that situation, situation that you're going through, I want you to understand that God could turn it around and make it a blessing in your life. Are you having financial problems? And maybe God wants you to tithe. Just throw that in. You know, God. You come in, well, I can't tithe because I can't make it. Well, you're not, putting, you're not taking God into account. Whatever the situation may be that you may be going through, God is putting you through it or, or permitting, not putting you, permitting you to go through it. Now, the devil's coming out to destroy you, but God is permitting for you to go through it because he wants to bring the best out of you. 
And he wants to turn it around and make it a blessing within your life. And this is exactly what he did over here with Paul and Silas. If Paul and Silas did not go into that prison, we wouldn't have the conversion of the Philippian jailer. But he comes out, what must I do to be saved? And that's a question, isn't it? Some of you may have that question. I wonder, not everybody here is saved. You know how I could tell? Because I could see, I could see all of you. And there are some of you that you don't, can't even worship. You know, we're singing a song that are just looking like that. And the reason why is because maybe your old lady told you, if you don't come with me, I'm going to leave you, you know. <laughs> or somehow you say, well, I better cooperate with the family. And on Sunday morning, I'll go to church and hear that boring preacher. But here I go again, you know. But praise God, you're here. But just coming and being here is not going to do the transformation. The transformation doesn't take place by just coming and being here. He said, what must I do to be saved? Listen to the response. The response was, what was it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And you say, well, I believe. Yes, but that's not the type of belief the Bible is speaking about. I used to believe, when I look at Victor right now, I, my man goes back to Brooklyn. I come from a Christian home. He comes from a Christian home, too, I believe. He also was raised in church. When he was shooting drugs out there, he believed. <laughs> when I was shooting drugs, I believed. I was raised, you know, I was raised in a real legalistic Pentecostal home. I mean, women couldn't even shave their legs. They had some hairy legs. <laughs> and not only that, they couldn't cut their hair. They had some long hair. And then, to make it even worse, they would take that hair and they make a bun. <laughs> and they have a bun this high. <laughs> and then makeup, that was out, forget it. Even television was out. You know, we, even television, to see television, this is the devil. One time I snuck into the movies, my, my, my sister and I, of God is going to come upon me. I grew up like that, but even with all that, I wasn't saved. And when I was shooting drugs, you know, I knew I believed God. I really believed. I mean, I had conviction about God. You know, I believed. I really believed. And I'm shooting, right? And then a guy's alongside of me, you know, and, I, and as soon as I got high, I say, you know, You know what, man? You know, and I'm, you know, I'm, we call it boosting. You know, let the blood come up. And I got to You know what, man? Boy, if we die now, we get a noble dose. We had it. <laughs> what you talking about? I'm talking about. We die now. We're gonna go to hell. <laughs> and even in that situation, that frame of mind, here I am under the influence of drugs, and I start preaching to the guy.
See what I'm talking about? You know, that's not the type of just intellectual belief and mental belief. I believe God. Everybody believes God. Mostly everybody believes God. See, the type of belief that Paul is talking about is a type of belief not only here, but also a type of belief that moves from here and it goes over here and it goes over here to such a point that you're willing to trust your life with God. And you take your life and you deposit your life and you lay your life on the altar and say, God, I believe that you have the best interest for me, that you are able to transform me. I believe that I need you in my life and I'm placing my life in your hands and instead of me leading my own life, I'm placing my life under your direction and under your divine will. And you know what happens when you do that? When you do that, all of a sudden you experience what 2 Corinthians 5.17 brings out. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What you couldn't do, what medical science couldn't do, what the prisons couldn't do, what no one else could do, Jesus did it just like that. Because you place your life in his hands. Believe, that type of belief. Belief, belief means that you put, you're not only a hearer of the word, a doer of the word. It means that this morning when I make an altar call, you're going to get up. Now, he could drag you, but he doesn't work like that. I wish I could. <laughs> but you're the one that's going to have to go like this. You're going to sit there. You're saying, you know what he's saying is true. You're going to have to be the one to go like this. And get up, you know, mm. and then one foot, and another foot, and another foot, and another foot, and come up here and give your life to Christ. And when you do that, then that miracle of miracle, something that is hard to explain and put in words, the miracle of miracle takes place, and God is able to transform your life. Did that happen to the Philippian jailer? It sure did. We even have proof over here. Listen, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thine house. And then in verse 32, and they spoke. Now notice what he said. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord. They also gave him some word. And they spoke to him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. Now listen, he took them out of prison and he brought them to his house. That same night, a lot of things happened that night. All kinds of things happened that night. So over there, he, he, he preached to them. And then it says, and he took them the same hour of the night, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. Now here, the Philippian jailer didn't care before, is washing the stripes and washing the wounds, caring and tending to the wounds of Paul and Silas. And they were what? Baptized. And he and, and, and all his straight way. And when he had brought them into the house and set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God, with what? With all of his house. Not only did the Philippian jailer get saved, but he says, I want you to come to my house and I want you to tell my folks about it. And they, all of them accepted the Lord as their personal Savior. And they were, that was a Holy Ghost night. And then what happened after that? And then all of a sudden, that day, he must have, uh, Paul must have said, listen, you better take me back. 
See, Paul's concerned about them. You better take me back because you're going to get yourself in trouble. So take me back before daylight. And they went ahead and they took Paul and Silas back, locked them back in the prison. Probably put them back in the stocks, you know. But there was a difference now. Already the work had been done. And then it says over here, it says in verse 35, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant saying, let these men go. They want to let them go. Now all of a sudden, Paul gets on his high horse. And Paul was concerned and said, I'm not going to make it easy for these people. I'm going to make sure that when I leave, they're not going to harass these Christians that I'm leaving behind. So I am going to teach them a lesson. And look what he did. It says over here, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant and saying, let these men go. And in verse 36, then the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrate have sent, uh, have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But what does it say in verse 37? But, you hear that word but? But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans. Now when he said Romans, Romans had certain privileges and they had certain rights and their rights were totally violated. So he went ahead and he used that and have cast us into prison and now they do thrust us out privately. Now they want to get rid of us real sneaky like. And then he says, nay, no way. He says, I'm not going to make it easy for you people, but let them come themselves and fetch us out of here. I don't want you small fry. I want the biggies. Let them come over here and they're the ones that are going to let us out because they violated our rights as Roman citizens. And what happened? Well, why didn't he tell them they were Roman citizens in the beginning? He wouldn't have got beaten. But some, maybe they didn't give him the opportunity. Or maybe he just felt of God that he shouldn't say, he should say anything at that particular time because God was at work. And then it says in verse 39, and they came and besought them. Now they come humbly and besought them and brought them out. And I could imagine them desiring them, please, would you please leave our city now? And then it says in verse 40, and they went out of the prison and then they entered into whose house? That woman again, huh? Now this woman, boy, was on fire for God. She had her house, and people were coming in her house, and she was having Holy Ghost services in her house. And then it says over here, and when they had come, they seen who? What brethren are they talking about? I'm sure they're talking about, not only is Lydia there, but who's there? The Philippian jailer, right? his whole family, his whole household, and possibly, hear me, possibly that demon-possessed girl. That demon-possessed, I imagine, I, I think that demon-possessed girl, she must have been there yelling the loudest and just praising God for what he's done with her life. Then the Philippian jailer saying, man, I remember that earthquake that took place. Man, that shook me up. And what a Holy Ghost meeting they had. And Paul was so concerned about them that you know what he did? He left Luke behind. From this point on, you see, it doesn't mention Luke because he left Luke behind and it just mentions Paul and Silas and, and possibly Timothy, but Luke stayed behind to be the pastor of that congregation in Philippi. So what does it say? 
It says, and they went out of the prison, entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and then they went on and departed, preaching the word of God. So what is it that I'm bringing out this morning? What is it I'm trying to drive? I'm trying to tell you that even in spite of whatever you are going through this morning, God is able to turn it around. If you begin to focus your attention and begin to focus your sights upon... We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.